Welcome to the Dash Mindset Podcast. I'm Sherry Ziedenbergen. You were born, you're gonna die, and your adventure is your dash in between. So make the most of it. Unlock your potential in all aspects of your dash by embracing your uniqueness and living in a way that's authentic to you. Not by doing more things, but by focusing on the right things. I'm a former corporate leader turned coach who's on my own journey, and I'm passionate about helping you on your journey too. So on the podcast, we'll explore how to live authentically by deciphering who you truly are and what you truly want. Are you ready to take a step toward designing your dash? Someday doesn't actually exist. So let's do it now. I am so excited for you to join me today and hear my conversation with my friend, Derek Barron, aka Wandering Earl, who has been traveling the world essentially nonstop since 1999. The last time I saw Derek was in 2017 when I was in Romania on one of his amazing Wandering Earl tours. So we had a few things to catch up on and I had a lot of questions. I just never had a chance to ask. So you get to hear his responses today. So join me to hear about Derek's non-traditional journey from college grad, who planned to be a sports agent, to nomad and founder of Wandering Earl Tours. Welcome everyone to the Dash Mindset Podcast. I'm super excited. I have my second interview today. My first, well, my first formal interview, I'll call it, with my friend Derek. I have asked Derek a number of questions in the past when I've been in Romania with him, actually. But today, I'm going to share with you guys because Derek is a friend of mine who's just amazing in so many ways. If you have known me for more than 10 minutes, you've probably heard about Derek. And you might be thinking, Derek, Derek, I don't know who Derek is. Derek is aka Wandering Earl. So if you have ever talked to me about travel, travel, I've probably mentioned Derek, aka Wandering Earl, because he does amazing trips and he just has amazing stories. So Derek, Derek Barron is, I mean, Derek Earl Barron. I'll let you explain that, um, Derek, but I'll just include your middle name for now. So Derek is, I'm going to refer to you as a professional nomad, Derek, or at least you were previously prior to like a month ago. That works. That yeah, works. Yeah. That probably will be again. So yeah. And you will be again, like in a couple of months when you get bored. Um, so professional nomad, travel blogger, founder of Wandering Earl Tours, which are local, unique, amazing tours that aren't the kind that, um, you know, I think every, anyone who has traveled at all has probably seen the big buses, uh, the big travel buses. And then the person who's awkwardly holding a big flag for everybody, or maybe a small flag, a flag of some sort, for everybody to stampede toward at a certain time. Derek doesn't do that. Derek um, has small local tours and they're fantastic. And my husband and I have both been on a few of them. Um, But so Derek's story, in short, I'm going to let him expand on this, but he left home with $1,500-ish to your name, um, left the Boston area in 1999, on what he believed at the time to be a three-month post-college graduation trip to Southeast Asia. And he has been indefinitely traveling ever since, essentially. Is that kind of the... the yep, that, okay, that's awesome. exactly what happened. <laughs> so you went to college, you were going to be a sports agent. That was your thought at the time. And you grew up near Boston, which is apparent by your accent, at least to me as a Midwesterner. <laughs> um, you're going to be a sports agent. And you've been a nomad since 1999. So 
give us the give us kind of a, a run through of that, Derek. Sure. Um, yeah, honestly, I graduated. I had connections through some family with a sports agent uh, agency out in Los Angeles. So I had been in touch and basically had everything lined up. Um, but the one thing I just really wanted to take a short trip and just a short three month trip to just see something. I just felt like there was something I needed to see. Um, I read about Angkor Wat, these temples in Cambodia. I read about it in a National Geographic while I was in Walgreens one day. I remember this and that they were having a big celebration for the millennium. So I was like, wow, I, maybe I'll just go there for the millennium, travel around for three months, Southeast Asia, then I'll be super happy and I'll come back and, uh, and get into the career. And, um, that's what I did Christmas day, 1999. I flew out to Bangkok and five days later I was in uh, Angkor Wat celebrating the millennium at the Angkor Wat temples exactly as planned. Um, the only thing that didn't go according to plan was as I was sitting there celebrating, I was thinking to myself, this has been the most amazing five days of my life. I don't think I'm going to be able to end after three months. And it became very real over the coming weeks to the point where I made the decision to, I said, I'm going to travel indefinitely or quote unquote forever. Called my parents, told them, sorry, I'm not coming home for now. Um, I'm traveling forever. And yeah, I probably didn't think that it was going to travel forever at the time. Maybe I was thinking one to two years, but uh, it's been 23 years and it kind of happened. So go figure. That is so Awesome. I love that so much. So, okay, I'm going to back you up a little bit. So when you left, how long before you left for your trip? How long before that did you make the decision, hey, I'm going to go on this three, this short three-month trip to Southeast Asia? Between yes. What was the time frame between Walgreens, the magazine in Walgreens, and when you decided to go? So I graduated from, from university, and then uh, I, the idea was I took like a month just hanging out with family, friends, and then uh, I wanted to make a little bit of money. So as I... I set myself up as a substitute teacher in the Boston area uh, starting in September. And uh, just right when I started doing that is when I heard about the anger Wat thing. And so I kind of calculated in my head, maybe a little bit optimistic. All right, if I work for this amount of time, I can save about 1500 bucks. That'll be enough for three months to go around Southeast Asia. And then I'll come back, get a job. Everything will be, will be fine. Um, so that's, pretty much what I did. Um, yeah. And then off I went, I, I worked for, for a couple months and, uh, yeah. And then took off. And you went by yourself, right? Derek, did you know anyone yes. in Southeast Asia? You just wanted no, to know. I flew, yeah, flew there by myself and, uh, I had nothing, no, nothing booked. I remember arrived in Bangkok 1am, got dropped off on a street with a bunch of hotels, went door to door in hotels, <laughs> asking how much the rooms were and like, just, yeah, I mean, back then, obviously, you didn't get on your phone and just book something. So I just was checking rooms and prices, negotiating 1 a.m. and finally got into a room and then I'll begin. And how did you negotiate given... you? The, the, well, at the time, the only language you knew was English, right? Yeah. yeah so how sure. did you negotiate? What did that look like? So pretty much uh, using, back at the time, using Lonely Planets, where you would take a Lonely Planet guide and it's a, it would say a price, which I always thought was funny, you know, that was the price when they printed the book. So I might have one that's three years old and I'm sitting there like, it says it's, <laughs> you know, $7. It says it's $7. So it was ridiculous negotiation. However, I did discover if you arrive at 1am, they're pretty happy to negotiate because they're not going to get more customers at that time. So 
it was, it seemed it was in my budget. I, I was like, okay, this isn't, this is going pretty good right now. And, uh, I, I got a room for, for three days just to start and off we went. And do you remember how much the room was? Yeah. So, well, the first three days, the room was, uh, it was about uh, $8 a night. And then I switched. I was like, then it occurred to me, I was like, this might be a little much, I might run out. So I switched to this old, it's totally gone now, but right in the middle of Bangkok, this old teakwood house that a family lived in. And they had a couple of rooms where they put in, I think it was six beds in each one. And it had an outhouse in the backyard and it was a dollar a bed. And I saw that I, I stayed there for my like two nights before I went to Cambodia. So I was like, okay, I, I can this. This, average it out. It's pretty good. <laughs> it, what I especially love about that is like what you're describing right there was your version of, oh my gosh, I need, I want to just keep doing this. And what you're describing is probably some version, some people's version of hell. Like really you're paying $8. And so that's what I especially love about your stories, Derek, is because clearly you're passionate about this and you're like, oh, I want to keep doing this forever. And other mm -hmm. people are like, what? On, that sounds terrible. So I, I love one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on was just because I, I love your stories and 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 you're hysterical and all the things. But um, also just to highlight that you you clearly have a non traditional path that's not for everyone. Definitely not for everyone. And whether it's sleeping in eight dollar or one dollar a night hotel rooms, <laughs> or even at this point where obviously it's quite it's a different situation, it's still not. It sounds very sexy maybe uh you know we travel all the time this is like wow that's amazing but i i generally will tell people probably 99 percent of people it's not for them and when i start to explain what's actually involved and that part of the reason i'm also doing it after 23 years is because like anyone once you do something for a while that's what you know so i'm personally more comfortable doing it because i'm just comfortable bouncing around and that's what i've been doing um, whereas if you were to just start this now out of nowhere, it's not that appealing. And I know plenty of people who unfortunately quit their jobs and then went out and, and like, I'm going to go forever. And then after a month of writing to me, like, I got to go back. Like I got to go home. <laughs> this is like, what, what the heck am I doing? And I totally get it. I totally get it. I mean, just, just, you can pick one aspect, but you know, living out of a suitcase alone is not fun for 99% of people constantly right. like that that's just one one of many aspects that um i think yeah it makes it it has its own challenges like anything else well and i think we like you said it sounds sexy oh i want to travel the world but one of the things i love most about travel is the adventure of it and not knowing where you're going to stay and not mm -hmm. you know knowing if you're going to have to pay a dollar which i think if people really think through oh wait a minute you know, there are some non-sexy aspects to it, but I think everybody's just, oh, I, I want to travel the world when really there, there is some. Yeah. Well, if I you're traveling full adventure. time, you got to work. Like, right. that's a, I mean, for most of us, you, you got to work. So that's also, it's not what you envision travel. Yeah. It's not travel as you think of it full time. It's, it's more of a, just a, it's a lifestyle. So I have to work. So I'm yeah. obviously, so that takes up most of the time, just like it would take up most of the time for anybody anywhere. So right. that's right. the other, the other part of it that it's not just, uh, you know, going around and trying new foods and doing all cool stuff all the time. I mean, it wouldn't work right. if I didn't work. So with video cameras behind you, like we see on a lot of the travel shows, it's not like you yeah. had a video camera crew that was like, right. exactly. <laughs> exactly. No. 
<laughs> you're actually figuring it out. Okay, so I'm going to yeah. back you up. I have, I don't know, a lot of questions. I have a ton of questions, but I'm going to back you up a little bit. So when you called home and told your parents, hey, sorry, I'm going to stay here for a while. What was their reaction to that? And what was the reaction of not just your parents, but just the people in your life in general? My parents were pretty furious because I just graduated from university and they're like, you don't want all that money and you're going to waste your life. And back then there was no examples of people doing this kind of thing. So they just, I remember like my mom just kept saying, like, you're going to end up sleeping under a bridge. Are you going to sleep under a bridge? And then I was like, I'm not. And she's like, how are you going to, what are you going to do? And obviously I didn't have an answer. So I was like, I don't know. I'll figure it out. So that part didn't go well. And, um, and then my friends were like, oh, that's like, that's cool. But to them also, they didn't know anybody doing that. And it just, just sounded cool. They were like, oh, that sounds cool. I had one friend that actually came out um, two months into my trip and he came out for a month just to see, he was like, wow, if it's as cool as you say, like, I, I need to experience it. Um, but, but I was still dealing with my parents most of the time because they were pretty not thrilled with that idea until I had a plan, which admittedly took many years. <laughs> So, okay, let's talk about that. So I think a lot of the times in life, we focus on the how behind things and we think, oh, well, I can't do that because I don't know how I'm going to do it. You just got on a plane, flew to Bangkok. Um, you were sleeping somewhere for $8 a night initially, which was pretty luxurious relative to the dollar, dollar a night. And which you couldn't really offer to your mom. Like, no, mom, I'm not sleeping under a bridge. I have a great bed. It's a dollar a night, right? right. With 18 <laughs> other people in my room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally normal. I'm fine. I have it all figured out. Yeah. So how did you, I mean, clearly it's just in your, in your being to be okay with discomfort, but how did you, how are you okay with not having a plan? That's a great question. And I think as far as I can remember, going back to high school, that's always been my style is if there's something that comes into mind that I really want to do, I don't care if I have a plan. I'm just going to do I'm just going to figure it out. Like, I, I really am a firm believer that anything can be figured out. Like, there's nothing that can't be figured out. It's really just how much effort and dedication and focus we have to actually get there. I mean, of course, because I don't have anything grand that allowed me to create this lifestyle apart from I just wanted to do it really bad. Um, and that was it. And so I think that was, I kind of had that mentality already. And so I made the decision and sometimes I will make decisions that are pretty life changing, but I'll make them just, just like that. And then I just, once I make it, I, I have no choice in my mind, I have no choice, but to actually make it happen. And right. that was kind of the approach back then, even though I had nothing and I, I just thought, well, I got, well, at that point, about $1,420. And uh, uh, I just thought, well, there has to be a way. I mean, there, it's not impossible. So I'd better just start keeping my eyes and ears open and seeing what, what's out there and what other people might be doing. And I don't know, see, see if I can piece this together. So I just gave myself no choice. I, I personally like that mentality of if you don't, if you have no other option, you'll find a way to make it happen. Right. So. And would you say that it was you were operating primarily based on what your brain was telling you to do? Or, I mean, were you operating based on logic? Did you feel like you were being rational or were you just operating on your gut and, hey, here's what here's what my my desire is? 
It was mostly desire because I rationally, I would stop and I'd be like, okay, I have no idea who's doing this. I couldn't even tell you one possible avenue to make this actually happen right now. I have no idea. I have no idea. I have almost no money. Like if I stay here longer, longer then I'm not going to be able to leave this place. So I was like, I have no clue, but I had this desire and I just thought it well, couldn't be impossible. That was it. I, I just had this desire and and it wasn't because, uh, you know, obviously the seeing the millennium at Angle Watt was incredible and the places were incredible, but it really came down to the fact that I was just, I was like meeting so many cool people. And I was like, wow, like I'm meeting people in Cambodia and villages that I never thought I would, that I would never come across in my life if I wasn't here. And I got that stuck in my head so much that, wow, what if I kept traveling? Imagine all the people in the world that I'm going to meet that I otherwise would never even know exist, you know, with whole different mentalities and perspectives and, you know, lifestyles. And uh, that's what kept me going. And it just became such a strong desire that, uh, yeah, I just was like, you know, I'll figure it out. How long did it take for your parents to come around to understanding, oh, wait, I guess Derek's not going to come back. Do they understand? Well, now you did come back, but... (laughs) They're okay now. Uh, it, It actually took them, I would say, almost five years. Because uh, it took them until at some point I got a job working as a tour manager on a cruise ship. And uh, my mom came on a cruise and saw that I was in a white officer's uniform with three and a half stripes on my thing. And that I, I basically could do anything I wanted on the ship. And she was like, oh, this is actually something real. So she <laughs> saw for the first time that I actually had done something real that was earning good money that actually seemed like I knew what I was doing. So, and that was, but that was about five years into it. So. Right. And yeah. clearly it's a gift of yours, Derek. Not everyone can just be dropped into Bangkok alone and figure it out. I mean, it's a gift. And I think so often people, I mean, adaptability is clearly, you're clearly quite adaptable. And a lot of times, um, like with people I work with, if they are, super adaptable sometimes other people can take that take that as lazy or misguided or just Mm -hmm. aimless and but it's a it's a gift that i mean it's a skill it's it's a it's a talent that you can just you can be dropped anywhere and figure it out yeah yeah no and i think i mean the bangkok one i guess there was some foundation there i think then over time like with anything whether it's travel or not the more situations you're in the more experience you have the more that you I don't want to say seen this before, but you can piece things together Mm -hmm. so that you just understand the surroundings and the situation much more easily so that you don't have those moments where you might freak out or get worried or be confused because, oh, I know, okay, he said this person said this, but I know that's not really how it works. It's going to be something more like this. And you just, you're just more calm about everything happening, uh, even if you've never been there before, or you've never been in that situation because they're you just have a much bigger database of knowledge to draw from to help you make some connections and uh, and know that you'll you'll figure stuff out. So I just want to highlight the fact or emphasize the fact that you were in Southeast Asia. So not, you know, not even just Europe. You were in Southeast Asia before you could just get on the internet and Google okay, where can I stay and how much should I be paying? So this is, because there are some people potentially listening who don't know life without the internet. Like I I had a conversation once with um, one of my sons. I was driving in Philadelphia, GPS wasn't working. And I said to him, you know, 
back when back in the day i had to actually look at maps yeah. and he's just it's like foreign to him and he said so life was hard then <laughs> well you don't know any better right but no, i mean no. i think to so many people i mean it's hard traveling even with google but you had mm-hmm. a lonely planet book you were in southeast asia were there ever times where you just thought okay i i just i'm not going to do this anymore i'm going to head back no because, well not really because at the at the end of the day like it was great because since you didn't have the internet, you you pretty much just spent all day asking questions to actual people. <laughs> and that just weird. ended up leading to, yeah, super weird, right? <laughs> and then it would actually lead to real conversations and it would just, every day would just be something unplanned and just this genuine connection with people. And so it was just that every single day, one after the other. Without having, I had no list of like, I have to do these things when I'm in Bangkok. I had almost no idea what was there. So it was just more of whatever the guy on the street corner says, because I asked him, is there a temple around here? And he's like, yeah, let me show you this one. I know this like, and then off you go and and you have it. So it was almost easier in a way, because now I know a lot of people feel a lot of pressure when they travel, that they have to see all this stuff and they got to get the right photos and you got to, you got to get it right. So that when you go home, you, you, you can explain that it was the trip that you you hope for. Uh, there's a lot more pressure these days as opposed to them when you just showed up and whatever you did, that was the experience. And it wasn't, uh, what, you went all the way there and didn't do that? Or how could you not go? There? Like, there wasn't anything on that. Uh, like, there wasn't anything in that in those categories. So it was pretty cool. Have you ever felt like that, that, that someone... Um even I guess with the internet that you've gone someplace and told somebody about it. And they said, what, you didn't see X. Have you ever even felt that way? Is that possible for you, Derek? Or you just think, Oh, I guess I'll go back tomorrow. But if somebody's like, says it to me, like that, I didn't yeah. see something. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So for example, I've been to India 40 times. Um, I think I went to the Taj Mahal on maybe my 10th visit and I was in Delhi for all the previous like nine visits, which is just a few hours away. So I carried that over for a long time. And if somebody says, Oh, I can't believe you didn't do that. I mean, I'll, I'll have a long list of other stuff where I'm just like, well, it's okay. Like I don't, I mean, it's honestly the reason why I travel. Like if I traveled just for, to see the sites and those main things, I would have stopped after a year for sure. But really at the end of the day, the sites are great, but just wandering around, meeting people, interacting with new people, uh, making new friends in different places. That's really what's kept me on the road for 23 years. So you don't really need a popular site for, for that to happen. Oh, yeah. So, okay. One thing I just want to mention right now is because I've referred to this a little bit, but so you just moved back to the States and that's something I want to talk about. But first, I want to talk about more about your travels. But just an FYI, you're in North Carolina now, right? Right. Yeah. In Raleigh. Where everybody yeah. speaks English. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is weird. Yeah. Very weird. For you. Very weird. <laughs> okay, so I want to come back to that. But um, so your why, what has really kept you going is the interaction that you've had with people and meeting new people. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, that's 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 it. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I just uh, don't even know. A recent example, I went to France. I was in Paris for four days and just the whole time just wandered around without a plan. And to me, that that's much more rewarding than had I made a list and said, I need to see this, this, this. And it's just, whether it's a shopkeeper, someone sitting in a park, someone, the waiter at a random cafe, whatever those interactions are, even if it's minimal, um, I still find that far more rewarding than, you know, just checking off the, the mate running around, checking off the major sites. So. 
Okay, so one thing I want to mention, I and I've said this to you probably several times when I was um, in Romania with you, but and I'll have to talk about that too. The 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 group tour I went on with you, but you would take, I would take, I don't know, two hundred pictures at some site. And you would just whip out your phone and just take one picture. And it was like the most outstanding picture. I'm like, what, how? (laughs) And also you have just a backpack and, you know, I have my very American gigantic suitcase with all the things, all this crap I probably don't really even need. So do you feel like just the fact that you don't have a list in general, do you feel like, have I guess, have you felt um, just a sense of freedom by that the entire time and the fact that I'll take a picture whenever I feel like it. Just tell me about that and how, how you do that because it's, yeah, I mean, I think the the travel comes into as it, because for me, it's more of like a lifestyle. So all the experiences are part of the overall life more than I'm specifically taking a trip somewhere to go and do something. Um, It's part of the lifestyle. So yeah, I just kind of, I think after this many years, I've just kind of sunk into the lifestyle to the point where just like you probably, most likely, I assume you don't go around, say your hometown taking photo, 200 photos of the coffee shop or <laughs> traffic light or whatever. I don't know. I haven't been. I'm sure it's more exciting than that where you are. But uh, we have a couple traffic lights, Derek. OK, OK. Yeah, so yeah. can you get them both in the same shot? Uh, yeah. Perhaps. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, so I think that's just really it. It just comes down to that. Like I this I do like my mentality is just a little bit different. This is it's just my lifestyle. So I'm not thinking like, wow, I'm going to this site every day or, or uh, you know, with that real travel mindset, it's I gotta wake up. I gotta eat like everybody. I'm gonna go for my walk. I'm gonna exercise, do my work, and see what happens. But it's just a different, uh, different mentality. Yeah. So how did you? So you you were doing a cruise ship at one point. You're blogging. You uh, started doing tours after what, like ten years of being of, of traveling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically it was about, the tw- so I started doing the tours, uh, about 13 years after traveling. Yeah. It's been 10 years now of doing the tours. So, yeah. And, and, you know, in 1999, it's not that you thought, Oh, at some point, maybe I'll work on a cruise trip. Maybe I'll start oh, no. tours. You really had zero plan. So how did yeah. you go through the, the pivots within your, cause I mean, you had, I mean, it's a career. It's not just like you were just this mm-hmm. aimless nomad. You, you had a career doing this you have a career doing this. So how did you, how, tell me about those points along, along your path where you decided, Oh, Hey, I think I'll do this now. Just talking to people, like everything that I've done up until this point is talking and listening to people. Like it really came down to that. So when I decided I was going to travel forever, um, I was like, well, I guess I got to figure this out. How am I going to figure out you again, no internet to just go on and explore options. So I guess I'll just talk to people. And that's when I met some random traveler who told me about, uh, he said, oh, if you want to extend this, you should go to Chiang Mai, Thailand and teach English. There's a huge university there. You don't need any experience. Just like offer to tutor people and you'll get, you'll get clients. So I went around Southeast Asia. I got there to Chiang Mai and I literally went and wrote, I went to a stationary store and I wrote these hand signs like native English speaker willing to teach conversational English. And I put them all over the university and got about a hundred calls, um, in the first couple of days. And next thing I know, I'm running classes at, at Dunkin' Donuts in Chiang Mai or in the field at the university. So informal, no books, no nothing, because I discovered quickly, these people wanted to, they spoke English, but they wanted to speak real English. 
not the stuff they learn in their university class. So they would come with questions like graphic questions from movies. Like what does <laughs> something to me? I'd be like, Oh, Oh boy. Uh, so they, and it was great. So I just started doing that. I was talking to more people. I met a traveler in uh, Chiang Mai who said, Oh, you know, I don't, you sound like you would be good for cruise ships. Did you know, like it's a really good opportunity. Somebody had a connection to carnival cruise lines. Like it was a random thing. So after a while I connected with the cruise line and next thing I know, I all have very fast. I was on a ship out of Galveston, Texas, and my cruise ship journey began um, for a few years. One of my good friends that I met on board a cruise ship, who I'm still really good friends with now, uh, when I stopped the cruise ships, he wrote to me one day, was like, have you heard of this thing called travel blogging? I was like, no, what the heck is that? He's like, I was in Mexico in this little surf town. He's like, I think you should travel blog. You just write about your travels and like people read it. I was like, okay. I mean, there was nothing about it being a business or nothing. It was just, I was like, all right, I guess that sounds, makes sense. Why don't I do that? So I just started writing random crap about what I was doing every day. <laughs> and I just never forget after two months, I got this email one day, or this comment on the, on the blog one day from someone who was not one of my friends or family members. And I was like, how did this person find my blog? I was So I wrote to her and she was like, yeah, it was just, looking for articles on Mexico and this thing came up and I was reading about your story. And then it just occurred to me, I was like, well, if one person can find my blog, I mean, a thousand people can find my blog. If I figure this thing out, next thing I know, I'm a travel blogger and, uh, kept going. And then again, I started listening to my readers once I had an audience and they started asking if they could travel with me. And that's where the tours came. So it was like literally just, just listening to people. And I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway, because other people don't. Your first trip, would you say that was a wild, or your first trip as a tour guide, would you say mm -hmm. that was a, a, a wild success? <laughs> well, varying definitions of the word. From a financial standpoint, maybe. <laughs> financial, no. Everything else, yes. Yes, absolutely. The company continued. <laughs> Um, but you didn't have that all figured out either, I guess is my point, right? No, I didn't have that figured out. Yeah, yeah I came up yeah. with the itinerary in my head in five minutes. I came up with the price in five minutes just based on my own travels in India. I was like, oh, if we do all this stuff, uh, you know, uh, 21 days, 800 bucks, that seems about right. I should make a little profit. And obviously, 21 day trip in India for 800 bucks, even in what was that? It was 2013. Yeah. yeah. Even with local buses and local trains and yeah. A little bit low, a little yeah, bit optimistic. Yeah, that sounds a really low. I wonder why it sold out in 24 hours. People were like, this guy's a moron. What? Like, yeah. Do we really want to follow this moron around <laughs> India? Eh, whatever. It's part of the adventure. <laughs> so so yeah. um, so what kept you okay? So it was it wasn't a financial success, but obviously I'm sure everybody had a, an amazing time. Yeah. What kept you going, even though it wasn't particularly profitable for you to do that. What keeps you going when it comes to taking people on, on tours? Yeah. I mean, in the beginning I realized like, well, okay, that was so low that I could increase it even a little bit and it would still be quite low and it would be a much better situation. So I, I figured, okay, so we can try this again. Um, but it just really came down to the fact that I was able to bring people into the kind of experiences that I was having 
while traveling on my own, where it was sort of this, yes, see some of the main sites, but really try and focus on these local interactions. And people loved it. Like people just, it was something where, you know, in those early tours to India, Mexico, even an early one to Romania, people were just telling me why my friend went on a trip here, say to India, it was so different. It sounded like horrible. They just went here, here by bus. And I can't believe we're in this place. Like, you know, they'd say, oh, my Indian friend doesn't even know where this town is that we're in. It's something like this or same in Mexico. And and so I was like, oh, this is pretty cool, like that we're we're having these really unique experiences. And 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 there seemed to be a lot of people that were just interested in. Yeah, not a, just not a typical group tour. That's just I always come back to just not a typical group tour, something that's really like what I would do if I was traveling on my own, obviously with some structure and not a, not a 23 year tour, but, um, you know, that's kind of the concept that I, so I just started loving it and the feedback we were getting. And yeah, I just, uh, just started to think about them a little bit more and, and putting together new itineraries and, and yeah, it happened. So I'll talk now a little bit about the trips I've gotten with you. So I can't remember. So as you know, so Matt, my husband, you know him. Um, I can't, I don't know how he found you. He just, you know, he's just always, he just knows stuff and finds things. Right. So um, (laughs) at one point he, he, um, said we we have kind of this deal where if he wants to go someplace and I don't, it's like, Oh, you go tell me about Mm -hmm. it. You know? So, because we both love to travel. So he, um, at one point said, Hey, do you have any desire to go to Romania? And I'm sure Derek, no offense, but I'm sure he had told me about you before, but he tells me about a lot of things yeah, yeah, I and I just don't have the brain capacity. So, um, he said, Hey, do you want to go to Romania? And I'm like, eh, it's not at the top of my list. Like I didn't really know much about Romania. I'm like, it's not the top of my list. How about you go? So then he went on the tour with you in Romania and he came back from Romania knowing that I would love it because you are I mean, you, you, it's you, such a unique experience with you. It's amazing. And, and plus, <laughs> yeah, I can say this. Matt's not an especially people-y person, right? So he kind of questioned like, am I going to want to be with these people the whole time? Like, is this going to be okay? Well, it was okay because the way you do it just makes mm-hmm. it okay. It's not like you have to sit around and sing Kumbaya with people and, right. right? Um. So anyway, he comes back and he said, you know, tells me how amazing it was and said, you're going to, going to love it when you go next year. And I'm kind of like, okay, what, what, what the hell? (laughs) No, his heart was absolutely in the right place. And he knows I love to travel and he was 100% accurate in the fact that I would love Romania, but I'm kind of like, I, Romania, it wasn't at the top of my list. Who is this Derek character? And he goes by Earl, what? And he wanders, right? Cause I'm, less adaptable than you are. I, I refer to myself as pretty adaptable, but I'm like, I'm going to go with this guy named Wandering Earl. His name's Derek. And I'm going to Romania with all these people I don't know. So my friend Allison, um, you know, went with me. It was amazing. By far, one of the best experiences of my life. Um, and I, it was just so amazing. So this is why I've told anyone who will listen to me about travel and has any, even a, a, a tiny bit of interest in travel. I'm like, you have to go on a wandering Earl tour. It's amazing. So, um, I appreciate that. Yeah. So good. So good. And I mean, it is more than $800, but it's still very reasonable. 
Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. Come on, Derek. You want to make money? That's ridiculous. Um, so one of my favorite experiences on the tour was, well, first of all, can you could just kind of talk about your tours in general? Because they're they're small. We're not in this gigantic bus. You don't carry a flag. Um, but you just know everybody. And like one of my favorite experiences was going to, we went to somebody's farm, just this family, and they had foraged berries from the forest. I'm like, what? And and fed us. And it was just, I mean, just something that I certainly would not have just run into if I was in Romania. So can you just talk a little bit about your tours? I mean, that's the idea. So the idea for the tours is that we generally only run tours that in places that I know well and have the con- connections and local friends where we can do stuff like that, where we can stop in random places or just connect with people, real people who are not just there for tourism uh, as well. Um, and that's kind of the con- the overall concept behind them. So it just allows us the flexibility to have these spontaneous uh, experiences because we just, we, I, I know the country so well and we, I just, I know people there, I know the places and regardless, even if I'm not leading a tour, for example, it, it's all of our tour leaders, it's the same. So everybody's, everybody knows everybody now and, and it's, it's great. So that these, this is always going to be experienced, not a rigid experience where we just, we have to do this, this nine to 10, this 10 to 11. We just want it to be just, again, like if I was traveling on my own and one of my friends called and said, oh, hey, I'm going to the mountains today or I'm going here. Like, do you want to come? Something that I want us to also be able to do that if somebody, if some experience like that arises during a tour so that we can, yeah, take advantage of what what really makes travel awesome. So that's kind of the concept. And, and again, we only run tours um, in, in the countries where we can offer that, um, mm-hmm. that kind of experience. So that's that's like a huge part of it. And it's incredible how you certainly, there's structure to it. It's not like you're aimlessly wandering around and knocking on doors, negotiating, okay, can we stay here tonight? <laughs> but you also don't have that rigidity. I mean, it's, I know there were times you're like, okay, well, we're going to, we're going to eat here instead or whatever. And you just figure it out. It's not like we're, it's not like we're just wandering with you. I mean, we're just, you're figuring it out for everybody. And which that has to be, there were a number of times I just thought, oh my gosh, how is he? Because it can be challenging to travel alone and figure things out, but you're responsible for all these people and figuring it out. So has there ever been a time you're like, oh my gosh, this is just, you know, I just want to let these people loose to figure it out on their own. Has there... (laughs) I mean, like it's, it's definitely challenging at times, but at the same time, it goes back to this. I still have the same mentality. Like this is how the tours were built. Nothing's impossible. So like nothing, there's nothing that can't be done. So if, if we have to rearrange the entire tour and skip a whole place and change it, it's not that it can't be done. It can be done. Like there's ways to make it happen. So that's just the mentality I go in with everything. And I love it. I, I, I honestly love it because I, I, love if something random comes up and it catches the group's attention and we can do it because I know on, if we were on a bus tour with thing, we just kind of, you'd have to just drive by and be like, sorry, we can't, we have to get to this place by whatever, by whatever time. So the fact that we don't have to do that and I'm more than happy to put in the extra effort regardless to rearrange things if we can take advantage of that kind of stuff. So, I mean, that's, so I genuinely enjoy it. If I didn't enjoy, that's the other thing. If I didn't enjoy it, that it would be a very tough line of work to uh, to do if I didn't enjoy it. So 
Yeah. And, and I mean, yeah. <laughs> have there ever been times, and you can lie about this, but where you just want to say, listen, I was dropped into Bangkok with a Lonely Planet book. It was three years old and I figured it out. Why can't you people just, you know, deal with whatever's happening? There's <laughs> <laughs> internal conversations every now and then, but you know, it's not. I mean, overall, overall, the one other good thing is that as people know about the style of the tours, it does bring together people who generally, like even, for example, the last one that Matt was on just, you know, in March, like it's a pretty random destination and, you know, had people from all across the board from all other tours and different experiences, but still everybody was on the same page in terms of the style and which made it regardless of background, regardless of literally age, regardless of anything. I mean, it, it gelled quite well because everyone's there for that experience of whatever happens. Like, honestly, most people don't even know where we're going on the tours, you know? So they're just, they're just like, well, whatever happens is going to be, is going to be a cool experience. Very rarely do we get like, Oh, how come we're not going to whatever, whatever town, you know, it's, it's just not about that. Yeah. That is one thing that I hadn't really even recognize that until you said it though. But one thing I love about your tools, like or tours, I didn't, I didn't really know anything about Romania. So it's not like I thought, oh, are we going to go see that one thing? I I had no idea, which was part of the adventure to me. So, okay. So the trip that you just mentioned that Matt went on was Iraq. And most people, when I said, oh, so my husband's going to Iraq, <laughs> they were confused. Right. And really but, a little bit too old for the army at this point. Right, yeah. yeah. So really? Are we that hard up for, for people that we're going with 48-year-olds now uh, with back problems? Um, but anyway, so he just went to Iraq and I knew, I'm like, oh, he's going with Derek. It's going to be great. You know, you're not going to just take him <laughs> to some place where there's gunfire, right? I don't think. I don't think. I'm not sure. But um, but he had... Definitely not. Let me just add. Definitely yeah, definitely not. not. Definitely not. Yeah, I shouldn't even joke about that. No, yeah. you would not. Um, so I'm like, oh, yeah, it's going to be great. And so he came back with me wanting to go to Iraq. And you're <laughs> offering another trip to Iraq next year, right? Yeah, we actually have one. I'm going back in September. That way one sold out. And then we're, we're going to offer a couple next year as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he mentioned that it, he felt safer in Iraq than he would in a lot of U.S. cities. Yeah, yeah. And in some of his other travels, he was saying like, wow, this is like, this is nothing. He, he's like, just the idea that you have. But when he got there, he's like, wow, this is like, you really don't have to worry. I mean, you don't, after day two, your brain is switched off from all the stuff when you arrive, which I get it. First time I went and you arrive and you're like in the vehicle from the airport to the hotel and you're like looking out the window. Oh my God, <laughs> do I need to duck? Like, what's going on? It just takes... Even now, 24 hours, once you arrive, within 24 hours, you're kind of like, it's okay. Everything's yeah. totally fine here. Like, this is very chill. And yeah. And when you so. first got there, he he called me because now, you know, we can do that, which is so yeah. funny because back before, you know, in yeah. the 1900s, we couldn't do that. But <laughs> anyway, he called me and he said, okay, I'm walking past an Ashley furniture and a Cinnabon. And generally speaking, people don't think there are Cinnabons in Iraq. Yeah. But that's one of the things I love the most about the way you travel is because you you question what people here, primarily in the States, are thinking. And you're yep. just like, well, I'll go figure it out and show you, oh, wait, you can feel super safe in Iraq. I think it's super important. Iraq. It's super yeah. important to have that perspective. And actually, I don't know if you mentioned, but when we were in Baghdad, uh, I think it was him that noticed he was like looking at some one of the U.S. news channels. And there was a news 
person in a journalist in Baghdad as well, wearing like a bulletproof vest <laughs> and doing an interview as if like he's almost like under tight. So here you can feel the tension. You can feel such a, we literally just came back from a hipster cafe and a rooftop restaurant, you know, overlooking the city where, you know, the streets are calm. People in the streets having fun. There's liquor stores everywhere. I mean, it's like literally the guy was just a mile down the road and it's like, I can feel the tension tonight. And it's just, that's the problem. That's the whole reason why once I figured out that we can go there, that uh, that's why I do it is because obviously it's not, I'm not saying it's like the, I mean, it's not Switzerland, but it's uh, it, it, it is in a very good period. And, and it's just, it sucks for the people there to have somebody just saying that it's, you know, stuff going on that's not going on just because it's, uh, it looks good. Right. Online. Yeah. Right. And yeah. you weren't wearing bulletproof vests. Matches were, uh, you know, cargo shorts to my knowledge. And he wasn't even wearing a shirt. He just walked around without a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That is a really funny thought. Um, so him walking around in Iraq shirtless, um, oh, even with the women, like the, this is a question I get all the time, but I don't want to go. Cause I have to be covered up literally. It, it happens over and over. If anyone, first time I went, I was with one of my friends and she just, we went out of the hotel the first day and she covered her hair. I mean, I don't even think she got 10 feet down the road before people were like, why are you doing that? And she was like, I don't know. I'm just, aren't I supposed to? They're like, no, supposed to. You take it off. You don't need that. Yeah. And literally, no. I mean, no. <laughs> you can walk yeah. around in Western, normal Western clothes. No, there's no nothing like that whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So it's a, it's just, it's a totally different situation than what people imagine. Mm -hmm. I That's one of the things I love the most about travel is just recognizing that people are just people. It's not like, like, I certainly hope people who don't live in the States think that I agree with everything our government does. Right. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> that, it's just like everywhere. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. That's the thing. I mean, and I think that's the beauty of travel is when people see that you come over to a place that you're you're just there as a person and it's separate from anything else that they see on on news or online whatever it's just it's just person to person and that's then you can see who somebody really is and then that's the main thing i mean and that's how most people do operate i very rarely in all my travels despite anything have i had somebody you know label me as something and literally was so strong that i must be this because of say where i'm from or anything and yeah, people aren't interested in, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's nice it. because so the the um when you were talking about teaching conversational English, the people were referring to movies and different things from the movies that they probably think, oh, this is an American thing. And you're like, wait, what? What do you want to know about? Yeah. Which is just things that I mean, what other people believe about America that isn't true. I worked with a, a gentleman from the Netherlands at one point and it was so funny to me because he would say how he never wanted to come to the States because he didn't want to get shot. Right. Wait, what? Do you think we're all just, you know, you're, we're waiting, we're, we're packing and, and when you get off the plane and we're going to shoot the, the <laughs> Dutch that come off the, the plane. Dutch, right? the best, yeah. <laughs> but I can totally see why he would think that. Yeah, based course, on, yeah. you know. Of course. And it's easy. And we do it about other places too, without even yeah. thinking it, it's actually much easier because we all have images of a lot of countries that are based on the same stuff. I, I also answer a lot of questions about India, for example, which gets its reputation. And they, we run a ton. I've been, like I said, I've been 40 times to India. When you go there, it's not what you think at mm -hmm. all. Again, I mean, it's, 
it's amazing how, again, it's another place within 24 hours, everyone's like, oh my God, I feel so safe. People are so wonderful here. You know, that's, that's the reality. And um, does bad stuff happen? Of course, bad stuff happens. Like every, every, unfortunately, every single country in the world, bad stuff happens. Uh, mm-hmm. That's just a fact, but we, it's difficult if we classify entire countries, you know, just by that, because that's, that's not a good picture overall. Right. Yeah. So, okay. I'm going to, you know, I want to keep talking to you, but I'm going to break this up into two podcasts. So people aren't listening yeah. for two hours straight. So <laughs> I guess, like I said, I, I told you, Derek, I'm build the plane while I'm flying it. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure how to do this. I'm just going to say that we're going to end this episode here and I'm going to share how people find you in the show notes. Cool. And we'll continue on. <laughs> recording. That works. Awesome. Okay. So thank you, Derek. I'm going to continue on with you, but I'm going to end the podcast here to be continued and I will um, know where people can find you in the notes. Sounds great. Hear more in part two of my conversation with Derek next time on the Dash Mindset Podcast. See you soon. Thanks so much for listening to the Dash Mindset Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast player, tell your friends and leave us a review. Follow me on my social media platforms highlighted in the show notes and get in touch with me at the-mindset.com. Share the topics you'd like me to explore in future episodes. Thanks again for listening to the Dash Mindset Podcast. We'll see you next time. Design and differentiate your Dash, your way, and make today amazing.